0: Hey guys and welcome to the new episode of Automated Seller Podcast. Today I have a new guest, Jana, uh, CEO and founder of YLT Translations. Hi Jana, how are you?
1: Hi Jakub, thank you so much for having me.
0: Sure, sure. So thanks for being here and the topics that we'll be talking today are mostly related to what you are doing. So we will be talking about Amazon listings, translations, copywriting, keyword research and optimization and we also want to um, talk a little bit about the software and of course AI, because right now everyone is talking about the AI. But yeah, before that, um Jana, I would love to hear a little bit of your backstory. So I know that right now you're running the successful company, but um tell us a little bit more about your background like how what was the touch point of Amazon?
1: Yeah, so um actually, I started my e-commerce journey about fifteen years ago. Um, And uh, I used to work for a very big um, e-commerce in in Denmark. Um, So those were my roots and my beginnings. And um, uh, they let me uh, play around with their Amazon account about 10 years ago. And this is how I first found out about um, Buy Box and other terms. Um, My background is in languages. So I was first hired as a translator and then I kind of got like a lot lot of knowledge about e-commerce and about like a lot of other things. Um, and, um, and then, um, uh, I saw that, um uh, Amazon listings from this company, they were not doing that well. They, they didn't care about much about Amazon because the most of the revenue was coming through their website. They had over 150,000 products. So that was insane. Oh, wow. So I just decided to play around with the account as if it was mine. And, um, <laughs> I decided to, um, hire someone from the call center to translate them, like to get natives to translate the listings and do a little bit of research with the help of, um, Keyword planner and anything we could like um get a little hands on at that time that was like not Helium 10 was not involved and you know it was just like different You, you times. said it was
0: ten, ten years ago.
1: Ten eleven years ago, wow. yeah.
0: Extremely early yeah. for Amazon World.
1: Very, very early, yeah. And then I saw some results and I saw that, you know, um we we're getting some impressions, we were even getting some conversion rates, and I was like, wow, so there's really, you know, like th- this is working, so basically content matters. Like SEO matters on Google, which was one of my specialties. So, um, shortly after that, I quit my job and I decided to start uh, Wild Team Translations um, as an e commerce uh, translation agency. Uh, but then, uh, shortly after that, we niched down to Amazon only. So now we are mm-hmm. an Amazon dedicated agency and we specialize in uh, translations with. SEO and keywords optimization, localization, all of that, that will Mm -hmm. basically bring you um, sales and that will fix all of those machine translations you've been using uh, for a while. Mm
0: Got it, got it. But I just want to still get back a little bit earlier because uh, th- yep. that's like I, I really like to ask those questions, entrepreneurs. I mean, right now, you have this company, you run it. It's actually... Yeah, I mean, I know that you are hiring a lot of people, right? Is it like 80 people at your team currently? Or Yeah,
1: it's around 80, 85 people at this point.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and, and this is crazy. So I just want to ask you actually about your entrepreneur spirit. I mean, what really made you quit your job and start your company. Was it like always we were thinking about something like this or uh what, what what actually happened?
1: So um I'm actually I'll have to disappoint you. Like I haven't had any entrepreneurial spirit um five years ago. Um I was going to uh you know like wear a suit and like be this like have this like power suit and bring all these like decisions and you know like work in a big successful corporation and I did not have any aspirations to start my own company. Uh, but then I've done a lot of different things in my previous company, I mean, company that I worked for. And I saw that I'm actually capable of doing some really great things. And I've enhanced the business of my previous owner a lot, thanks to literally just myself. Um, and But I just constantly felt very really much underappreciated. Um, and then I think because my ex-boss was such an asshole I have to say, <laughs> this is what pushed me into actually quitting my job. I think that if I was more valued and, um, and more appreciated at, at my job, I probably would not have left till this day. But uh, since I saw that I was capable of doing a lot of things and bringing, um, you know, uh, growing the company, bringing more revenue, I was like, why would it work for somebody else? Like I yeah. should do the same. For Me and then because I was not, you know, like I was not a risk taker, I'm not someone that's gonna change their life overnight, which you hear like in other um stories and and uh, like heart to hearts from other entrepreneurs. I was actually the one that was like very shy and I was like afraid of uh, making the big change, and I didn't actually have support from my parents or my friends. And but three so it took me three years to quit my job. Um, oh, yeah. that was there was like a you know a tipping point where. Actually, I think I got like a 50 euro bonus for something I did. And that mm-hmm. was actually established a branch in Russia for the whole company. Um, took me about a year and a half. And then I got a 50 euro bonus from my boss. And I was like, you know what? If I have like the slightest respect for myself, I'm going to quit this job. And that's it. Mm-hmm. And at got that it. point, I didn't have plans of what I want to do. But I was just like, you know what? I think I should I should do something. I should try something on my own. And I was so scared and I, I, I really have, I had no rational explanation of like what I'm going to do right now in my life. But I just knew that I wanted to try and work for myself because the worst thing that could happen is like, I'll just go back and find like another nine to five um, office job. Um, yeah. So, so that was my, um, for like entrepreneurial journey. Um, <laughs> and now fast forward to like five years later, um, I would not work for anybody else in my life. Mm-hmm. Like, Ever and I think that was the best and the hardest decision in my life that i I ever made um thanks for uh, thanks to the support of uh, my husband mostly um he's also an entrepreneur and he kind of kept me pushing like and going and you know like there were like a bunch of like falls and of course as 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 one has but I think the most important th- thing for me back then was to not think too much about what I'm doing. In terms of like, you know, say yes and then figure it out. Like literally that oh, yeah. was my motto back then. I'm not going to say like <laughs> fake it till you make it. I'm going to say like you say yes and then figure it out. Because I would not have said like yes in most of the, the, the cases because I didn't think I was capable of doing something like that. But I would say yes and then I would figure it out. And I would have figured it out like and I would like totally. get like, with the result and resolution. Um, every single time so um i did not have faith and i did not i had like serious problem with like self-worth because the first question i asked my to myself was like why would anyone come in like you know he was my services like you yeah. know like um and and persistency like uh the first time i reached out to anyone in the community uh was an uh, orange click uh, founder, mm-hmm. um founder um a he says very big in europe and so I just wanted to do like a video. I was like, I was scared. I, my hands were shaking and I'm like, I'm just going to send him this email and then, you know, we'll see how it goes. So he invites me like to an interview and we do an interview and I was like, really? Like I literally blacked out. This is how scared I was. Not and um, and in my previous work, I was a boss to 400 people. So I had like the authority, and I knew what needs to be done. But like when you mm-hmm. start doing something, uh, for yourself, you kind of like forget everything that you know. It doesn't apply to like this new yeah, venture that you started. Totally. So Augustus said no to me five times, and <laughs> I was like, "Wow, this is not doing, not going well." But then what? What I learned in my life, especially like when I lived in the states, was that. You know, like um, if, if you knock on the door and they say no, you come back until they say like, wow, she's really persistent. Let's just give her a chance. Let's, she, let's see what she's got. So mm-hmm. I, I took no for an answer five times. And then I was just like, I'm just going to like reach out back again, again and again. And then I think it was like six times. And I was like, hello, it's me again. Oh, and yeah. then it goes it like, okay, let's do a video. Okay, let's, like, let's, let's do it. Like, let's do a five minute video. And we finally did a five minute video. I had like a full on script. I was like reading from the script because I couldn't focus like um, to improvise or say anything that was not scripted. So it sounded pretty much like a robot and um, and people loved it and he loved it. And this is how our first client started uh, wow. walking in. And then after that, I got invited to like a bunch of other conferences. And I even spoke like in German and Danish and English, like all <laughs> around the world from like LA to China. All this to say that I'm not a natural born public speaker or entrepreneur. I was like this shy little scared girl that had no idea what she's going to do with her life. And I think that, you know, like you need support. I think I needed support from someone that was very close to me and I needed to tell myself that I need to be persistent. And then um, it doesn't matter. Like, honestly, like, even if you have, a shitty product, like I think you will be successful just because you're persistent yeah. and, you know, a lot of very big stars. And I mean, there's so many stories about, I don't know, like Steven Spielberg and like all of these A-list celebrities um, and their screenplays and music and songs and all of that. And then people told them like, this is crap. This is never going to work. And they, they've been hearing that their whole life. And then at the end, they turn out to be superstars because oh, yeah. among other things, they are persistent. So I think that you know um, it's all it all lies in your motivation and your dedication to your work. Because if if you have like one only one other person that thinks you are a superstar, I think that's that's enough for you to start your your journey.
0: Oh yeah, awesome! That's that's really great story. And uh, to be fair, I doubt that there are really a true real born entrepreneur is right i mean it's a journey and at some point you you gotta take a risk and it's it's never easy it's not like someone just from from whole life wanted to to become entrepreneur and then became one i mean maybe there are some stories like this but i've never really met anyone it's more always like a story that yeah, something yeah. similar that you you had a job you felt bored or you, like you felt underappreciated and you just had to make a switch and, and you just try that right and um I was kind of in the same shoes, um, Like I was more like, I just felt that I didn't want to build stuff for someone else. Um, I was having like three jobs before starting Delta Logic. And I was like, it doesn't make sense. It's only exchanging time for money. There is no really any value that I built over years. So that was essentially what um, brought me here because I wanted to build something, not only exchange my time for money, but have something for years. Um. so but yeah the beginnings were also hard like everyone was saying no I was keep trying um, and and also when I couldn't really do something I mean you said not fake it till you make it but instead say yes and then figure it out I really love it Um, because uh, it actually it sounds different it's similar but once you are basically committed you are also more motivated to to do something yeah, you'll so... find a solution <laughs> to that I just I wanted agree. to
1: add one thing and that is that um, uh, I mean, yes, I, I don't, I also don't think that they're like uh, naturally born entrepreneurs, but what people do is like, for instance, like I am, um, 37 and I could have had like seven businesses until this point, but I kind of got to be on this entrepreneurial journey when I was 32, which is fairly late. I mean, I don't think late is, it's never too late, but I would just to say that I'm very envious of people who start their journey earlier, like in their twenties, or you know, like you maybe have like one or two, like uh part time, like student jobs. And you're like, nah, this is not for me. And then immediately they start like doing something on their own. So I'm kind of envious of that, but I guess like back, I mean, I'm never like, sorry for what it was, it, it was in the past. And I think at that time when I was like 23, I would have never started anything because at that time I had a completely different mindset. So my mindset came to me when I was 32 and mm-hmm. I mean, I don't see anything. Uh, wrong with that. I know a lot of people are saying, like, oh, I should have said, done this like 10 years ago. And my question is, like, well, would you? Like, I highly doubt that <laughs> right. you would have started this 10 years ago. I, I agree. And a lot I of agree. people just like, um you know, have like this the question themselves, like, man, if I had this idea nine years ago, I would. I'm like, but you did not have this idea nine years ago. <laughs> and what's it worth, like, talking about something that you can't change, which is behind you, but what you can do is you can take actions now. There's so many people that have these like million dollar ideas that never get into realization. I mean, the idea without
0: execution is nothing, right?
1: Exactly. So what do these people have like with their ideas? You know, saying like, oh, well, you know what? Like I was the first to think of that. And then like, did you do anything with it? No, it didn't. So it doesn't, doesn't really make any difference that you had an idea. Also the same as like what happened in the past is in the past. And then what you can do today is like execute new things and just move forward in the way that in and having a mindset that will help you uh go to that go into that direction
0: totally i i agree um there's no really any benefits of thinking about the past like i i, I should have done no. something there's not really any benefits in that so and also there's no benefits to having some kind of regrets for the past so i also focus on now and the future mostly uh so i i could also say hey i should have started earlier but it doesn't make any sense i mean i started relatively early so i don't really have the position to say anything here but mm, <laughs> yeah on the other hand i know that uh there's really no late age right and also, just from checking real success stories from entrepreneurs all around the world, um, actually, it seems like people are, who are like more than 40, they really got the success, right? So all of the experience, also working for corporates, for different jobs, this is all valuable. Yeah. Uh, this is all experience. So I actually have one friend who, uh, he's, I think, 33. He's running his business basically since he started when he was 19. And he said that first five or six years of his business, it was all failure, and he actually admitted that he should have started a little bit later that That was actually too early interesting. He wanted first to get the experience working to for for someone else because I mean to be fair how how can you just inv- like invent how to run business without really working for someone else right so I think there's uh let's say always mm, good it's always good to have some experience working for someone else first so obviously there are examples of people who just started extremely early and they are successful but that's the thing right people always talk about people who succeed but no one really talks about the failures and there's much more people who failed their business
1: absolutely so don't feel like a loser because you're not you know
0: Totally. So, Yana, I, I I could actually have been speaking about entrepreneurs for like more than I don't know hours and hours, but I wanted to now jump a little bit more into the topics of the Amazon, so and translations and y- YLT. So, let's talk about the services. I know that you are doing um, listing translations, but that's not everything that you are um, doing at your company, right?
1: Yeah. So um, basically, that's um, our Prime service are Amazon listing translations, uh, which are basically like a one-of-a-kind packaging where we offer uh, translation with localization and optimization, which means keywords uh, of your whole listing, like A-plus content, title bullets, backend search terms, absolutely everything. And what is really important when you do translations is that you don't do word by word translations because a lot of brands, for instance, like we work with a lot of US brands and their content will be very salesy and fluffy and, you know, like very like um, exciting, but it doesn't sit well with Germans, which I'm sure you know. Um, So you'll have to adjust that. You'll have to tone it down. It will have to have a different style if you want to win over your new type of audience. So this is also something that you have to take into consideration when doing um, the translations. And recently we had, um, we have a lot of very big enterprises that we work with. And uh, the problem with these enterprises is that they do not have a lot of um, Amazon uh, educated uh, people on their teams. So they, they would ask me like, well, you know, like we're very happy with our U.S. copy uh we don't need keywords like you know on a new marketplace and i'm like well if you translate these keywords as the content as it is it will not translate into yeah. keywords actually on a new marketplace uh because like even if you have like a us content you don't want to copy paste it to the uk market uh because we recently had a seller she was selling baby um baby diaper bag um and she just copy pasted this listing for um a uk marketplace and then she was ranked for a completely wrong term because uh, the word diapers in the U.S. means actually in the U.K. the the, the term means uh, adult diapers, so they use it for adults, and oh, wow. the word I, for kids mm-hmm. is called nappies. So she yeah. was like ranked for adult baby adult adult baby bag, literally diapers. So that That's was very not funny. great. I, I would never really, really
0: think I, I would never really think that you you actually should translate English from U.S. and U.K. I mean I know that there is. There are differences, but I mean it's, it's more actually, like localization
1: yeah. than it is translations because a lot of times mm-hmm. the text will be the same, but some of the words can get you in trouble. Um, you definitely need to do new keyword research because I don't think people will search for same things in the US and the UK. And also, what was the problem with the sellers because? In her keyword database, which was also used for the UK marketplace, also in her BBC mm-hmm. campaigns, she had a lot of Spanish words because of Mexican population, US, which mm-hmm. made no sense in the UK. Also, there were words such as um, uh, diaper changing stations because you have those in the States, but you don't have those in the UK. Like There are no changing stations. And mm-hmm. also baby shower gifts. There was nowhere to be found on the UK top top hundred keywords. Mm-hmm. So she was, you know, missing out on a lot of really good keywords and being ranked for completely wrong ones. That hurt her listening a lot. Oh, so yeah. this is something that I see very often. And just imagine like what you, what it happens when you just uh, translate this text as it is and present it to a German audience. I mean, it doesn't really yes, totally. make a lot of sense. And, uh, you know, like you have yep. to be careful with like using English words and English phrases actually, like um, in products that sell it in, in, in Germany um like you know, smartwatch and fitness, those words are fine, but like more mm-hmm. than that, or just like keeping the same phrasing you're using in US, like display of words, just like leaving it in English mm-hmm. uh for the German marketplace is really, really not um it's not a good idea, uh, because it will not have the same effect. And a lot of big brands really do not understand the importance of this.
0: Oh yeah. And actually I wanted to I mean you mentioned already keyword research that you should actually do it Also, when it comes to translations, and I just wanted to point out here that I saw already a lot of, those are obviously clickbaits on YouTube. I mean, everything related to AI right now is a clickbait, right? So there were like tons of videos. Hey, uh, get your listings on Amazon using ChatGPT. And to be fair, I don't really believe that this is possible that you can just have one listing, put it to ChatGPT, and it will just translate everything. And simply, in my opinion, but obviously I want to hear yours, um, is that, this is without really putting any context, right? There's no database with the proper keywords yeah. and you cannot really no. use just an AI w- without really having any knowledge about uh keyword on Amazon to translate the listings, right? So people may say, okay, uh, right now there's AI, there, I don't really need any services of company like yours. But I think it's a huge mistake. And if they don't really get educated first, they will lose and their competitors will win basically simply because of that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm a big fan of AI, I use it every day. And I've been testing AI tools ever since they came out. Um, I think I did a couple of uh, testing uh, back in January with a lot of uh, tools that actually wanted to work with us, they wanted to get our feedback because we have, uh, we do a, like, we do between three, 4000 products every single month. And we have a lot of data, we have a lot of um, um, practice when it comes to all these products. And so we, we worked in, with a couple of them and and we've tested them afterwards. And the problem with those tools is that so when it comes to copywriting, you can create something out of nothing. This is what AI mm-hmm. focuses on. So like you give them a topic, a prompt, and then like you build something out of nothing. That's like fantastic, right? But nowadays, honestly, I'm kind of getting bored and tired of um Chat GPT uh creative content. Uh, especially because now you can figure out that it is written by ChatGPT, because no matter how you change it you will still see that it is this ChatGPT. of course there are some cases that you know you give it like here's 100 examples of how i write this blog so please make okay. it sound the same like yes but a lot of people won't do that especially also, like oh, yeah. on linkedin you'll definitely see like an ai generated content and i'm just like you know, like now you know, it's not, you know, it's not a big deal. It's not a creative. It's not out of the box thinking. It's very similar. And it's great if you want to be average, but if you want to be outstanding, you still need to fix this content and or you need to give it like better prompts. And um, this is also when it comes to listings. If you tell them like, write title and bullets and all of that, the chat GPT or any AI, they will not know how to use keywords. They don't have logins to your brand analytics or Helium 10 or Data Dive. Like right. they don't know how to use these tools so even if they create a copy you'll still need to put those keywords yourself that you did research for you don't know the language then you're going to ruin the whole text so it's really not going to be great for the copywriting and now mm-hmm. when it comes to translations it's even worse because i think they, they kind of focus like on ai being uh, a tool that creates something out of nothing so it always tries to kind of transcreate whatever it's given so from all the tests that I've done if you have like title and bullets and then you put it in the tool that will translate and use keywords I mean it will not but they say it well um, the tool will take let's say title and then you have five bullets it will take the content from let's say first three bullets or randomly chosen chosen bullets and then it will transcreate that into five bullets so you will have some information from the source text, but you will not have a lot of information that you have in your source text. So it will not uh, stay true to the, to the original text, and it will not fully um, uh, translate or localize whatever your brand wants to stand for and however mm-hmm. you want it to sound like. So mm-hmm. um, that, that, was, that, was, that, that were my, my results, and then you would spend more time fixing that Then like having someone do it from scratch and like do it the way it's supposed to. Um, and especially if you don't know the language, there is no way how you can check like if everything is in the, in the source text. And I mean, if you don't use like Google Translate, but Mm -hmm. that's not a proofreading tool. So you should not, um, um, use it, but that, that's it. Like for now, it's not very accurate. It, It doesn't get you good results. It will, um, I think it's okay. If you want to understand the text, then it's fine. Like if you want to understand how your washing machine works, like from English to German, like, I think that's fine. But when it comes to storytelling, your brand's identity, I don't think ChatGPT is a good idea. Uh, if you want, you can create uh, something with the help of that, but then you will need someone to fix it. Um, yeah. And a lot of people, they, I mean, copywriters and translators generally, they, they hate, you know, working on a messy content because they get paid less for that and it takes more mm-hmm. work for it. So, so that's, so that's that. Um, yeah. I, as I said, I love um, AI tools. I use them every day. I have a bunch of them that would like, for instance, from this podcast, they will create like 15 different clips that I could use them, oh, repurpose yeah. them, and all of that. There's like even one tool that um, so, like if you're like like me five years ago, like and you're reading from a script and you have to watch at the camera, uh, look <laughs> at the camera. So there's like a tool that uh, makes your eyes look yeah. in the camera where you're looking, at. I... and stuff like that. I I really like that
0: yes 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 when it comes to the the tools like w- we are also like testing a lot of things using a lot of things yeah. for content creation uh but you are right especially like you, you can see which listings are written or like if I, i'm not actually writing a copy for listings but i can tell for example on linkedin when the chat is uh, when the post is really yeah. created by chat gpt even when i just see emojis like i can tell you right away if I just came through the post and I see emojis not like in the way that I would never put them as like, okay, like it's, it's, it's really created, but exactly, and also like you can GPT, see so. like,
1: um, especially if you know the person, um, and, uh, then you read their post and you're like, these synonyms oh, yeah. are so like, <laughs> that, that's so not funny. this yeah, yeah. person, um, you know, and th- that's, that's also true. like one of the things that you know, and, and I think like in the beginning it was, you know, untraceable by detectable by like human eye. But now I can totally yeah, see the pattern so all of that. And I mean it's really like I'd rather write something even though it's not that cool, but it comes from me and it's what I think than like using Chat GPT and, and having like these generic texts that are all over mm-hmm. the internet.
0: And, I had some cases when actually client replied to my email um, using ChatGPT. And to be fair, I felt really, I feel like that it was just like answer without any kind of respect. Uh, it was like very professional, very <laughs> formal. And I was like, w- w- what the heck? Like, we we-, we yeah, met a couple dry. of times. Yeah. I've been to their office. We are like very chill. And then there was like some problem with the payment from their side, And then just they generated this message and I was like, why? Why? And there's even this um soft like website called Zero GPT. So basically this is the okay. uh website that you can paste your text and it will tell you how many percentage is generated yeah. by Chat GPT. It was like ninety five percent, right? They're, so they're
1: a bunch of text like <laughs> they didn't even like try. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Right. They didn't even try. No, so no, no. on a daily basis when a human can see it, then obviously Amazon algorithm will be more sensitive to, to that. So um, I agree. Now, Jana, I would love to hear more about some of your case studies. Like if you could bring us some of your clients that you actually created, I don't know, like a full strategy with the copywriting, then the translations and how it will um, brought him uh, sales.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So one of the top selling um, products or categories in in Europe are definitely going to be supplements, um, wooden toys, Um, Anything that has to do with toddlers, uh, I would say toddlers more than babies, um, and a fitness product. So these are probably some of the top selling products that we see that work, and we usually work, uh, mostly we work with US brands, but we also work with some German brands and some UK brands. Uh, But US brands are the ones that like expand to Europe the most, but we also do Japan, we also do Brazil, Mexico, and UAE as well. Um. So yeah, there was like a lot of um. Uh, this year has been really big with uh, fitness products, for instance. Um. And um. W- what was really interesting is that a lot of these brands, as I mentioned previously, they don't understand how things work. They don't even ha- have the specific vocabulary that will make me understand what they want. So sometimes it's like really, really um challenging to work with new brands on Amazon. But also it's very fulfilling because you know that they are going to get some results. Um, so basically like what we suggested and what we do with like a bunch of brands that we work with is that um, You have to create, like, a really good content, like, for instance, like, in, in Europe, what we also suggest, like, when doing bullets, you can still keep the caps locked, which is against TOS in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, U.S. is, I mean, Europe is, like, lighting years away from what's uh, against TOS in the U.S., and this is what we should, you know, take advantage of is, as much as we can. So, basically, like, what you want to do is, like, how you build, like, a, a solid product is basically using like top two, three keywords, like the strongest one in your title. And you want to start with those keywords. Um, you don't want to use um, question marks, exclamation points, full stops, any of that like in your title. And you definitely want to like make it shorter than, I don't know, 149. Like I wouldn't even go to 140, 199 characters. I would like mm-hmm. go for shorter as well. And what a lot of brands don't really pay attention to is the mobile app. How does your product look on on your mobile app? Because a lot mm-hmm. of times like this title or like maybe the keyword that you use on the desktop will be cut in half in the mobile oh, version yeah. and then it would not be indexed as well which is very important to mention when talking about german which has a lot of very big compound words and also oh, like, yeah. french <laughs> is the longest language when translated from english or any other one and you also have to make sure that you can put like all the important points like in the title so this is like something that is really important and then of course bullets like we like to take stay until like till like 249 characters you can really want to um, emphasize on the features on the quality uh where your uh, product beats the competitors where it's made if it's eco-friendly sustainable all of that is like super super important and of course like that fifth bullet can be left to be like um like um, it can have seasonal keywords depending on what your product is, like Mother's Day, uh, New Year's, Christmas, all of that, Advent, and, and many other mm-hmm. things. So this is like something that was like our rule of thumb formula that we see that works really, really well. And mm-hmm. of course, like not to overstuff keyword with, with keywords, um, deciding for your brand is very important if you want to have broader or more specific keywords. Both have their you know, um, good and bad side. So it just really depends on what you want more for your product. Some of the brands really want to go super broad and others want to have like just like exact matches like they do like in their uh, PPC campaigns. What we also seen that works also for a lot of brands and what they're, they don't think about are uh, foreign languages in, their, um, in, in the country they want to sell it. Like how you have like a Hispanic keywords in the US because of the Hispanic population, We've done one product that was it was like some sort of like a kebab's keywords or something like that. And then in the keyword research, we had a bunch of Turkish words. Um and you would think like, oh, this is like some like it's like gibberish or it's like misspellings or whatever. If you were mm-hmm. speaking English, you don't know what this means. But these were actually Turkish words, they made a lot of sense. They had something yeah. related with a certain dish that so could be mm-hmm. related with skewers. And they had decent volume, like they would have like 700 search volume and then we would check the competitors and none of the competitors had that in their listings not, uh, of course you would put this in backends, but the competitors did not have that and you will be literally like the only one ranking with that mm-hmm. so i would yeah. always like pay attention to whatever you don't understand in the listing maybe it's another language you know maybe it's polish maybe it's turkish maybe it's like another language it, it can bring you a lot of uh, good things, especially if it's, uh, if the search volume is big, I don't think it's going to be probably like one of the top 10 search terms, but if the search volume is like 1500, then, you know, you should not uh, ignore the keyword because it means that 1500 1, times someone that month is looking for that search mm-hmm. term. So this is something that we also um, um, apply a lot of times uh, when it's possible. It's not and, possible. And,
0: and, and, mm-hmm. It just seems like it's a very time-consuming process, right? So I think that it's very common mistake for sellers who are trying to go international that they just don't pay that much attention to it. And just no, from no. your history right now, it's it's crazy with those words that if you don't pay attention to those details, you can really lose with your competitors. Yeah, so. and
1: keyword research is something that you should not uh, do a uh, very superficial job on. Like, this is probably like... One of the most important tasks when it comes to your PPC campaigns, content, I mean, those keywords are going to sell your product. Your content mm-hmm. can be like better or worse, but keywords have to be top notch. And this is like the most important thing. And also when it comes to listing, number one important things are key- keywords, second thing, images. Like this is what's going to be very important when someone sees um, the listing. Um, secondly, what's very important also is like that A-plus content and then a lot of sellers think that A-plus content is not indexed. But what we always do is like when you have pictures in A-plus content, the, 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 um, you can name the files with the keywords and they will get indexed. So it is not confirmed that A-plus content is fully indexed. It's like still A-B testing. People say this and that. But what is fully like indexed is going to be the name of uh, images that you use there or template, just use it with the keyword. Um, but it's interesting, like when you compare all of the content and all of the, the competitors, for instance, like we use do that, And mm-hmm. um, when you like compare all the competitors, let's say in France or Italy or any other foreign marketplace, and you know that this brand is coming from overseas or from UK or another country, you'll see that they don't have good content. And you'll be surprised like how easy it is to beat your competitors on the content level. Because a lot of them have no idea what they've got translated in their listing, and most likely they do not even have any keywords. And I did a lot of analysis with like very like top notch selling categories like wet brush on the German marketplace, Um and it was another baby product I think. And literally like wet brush, I think it was like the most competitive um, category. And out of like I think fifteen products, I think only four. Had really good content, mm-hmm. which means that it's not impossible to beat them. It will take some time, but I'm talking about the com- most competitive, one of the most competitive niches, and the products has only four products that have good content and good keywords. So you can just imagine how bad other categories and a bunch of other yeah. uh, products are. And this is like what I really enjoy, like doing and analyzing. I have a lot of videos on that topic and a lot of videos on on my LinkedIn. Um, mm-hmm. and um I, I just kinda can't can't hop up but wonder like you know why is this like that And because people are not educated on this topic exactly, and people are like literally uh leaving a lot of uh money on the table, so you know we've 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 done basically so many products that I can say that um literally usually with with the brands that we work with, um you can see changes after three weeks, sometimes even after two weeks, depending on the product and the category. You can see spike in sales, and you'll definitely see some changes, especially if you're done anything with machine translation or AI. You will see spike in sales, spike in impressions, like something will happen. Because when you fix something that it's not working, it's easy to see results. Uh, and literally, like people would make at least 30% more revenue and profit than they were uh making if they were making any and it can go up to like we have some case studies that say like 150 percent increase in sales oh, Wow! so uh we've we've uh we've seen a lot of things happen and um usually people are very happy and they do see results um as i said if you have a very technical product that is really complicated uh that could be an issue and that can maybe you know uh that can maybe not be a successful product. But I mean, it really depends like on the product and the audience. This is something that is due diligence you have to do up front.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: also expanding to other marketplaces is not for everyone. I would oh, yeah. want it to be, but it's definitely not for everyone. Not everyone should expand because they saw somebody else expand and earn like a bunch of money. You have to do your due diligence and homework. And you have to understand if it makes sense for you to expand and not blow your money and time on something that is not going to work
0: totally awesome that that was very very insightful so thanks for sharing this i kind of i kind of felt like on a consultation with you <laughs> from all of the insights <laughs> that you brought us so i i'm sure that uh everyone who is watching it will will actually get a lot of value from from this episode so Thanks a lot, Diana. That was that was really, really great. And you mentioned that you have a, a YouTube channel, right? With some videos, or like you said, that you are sharing all of those uh, insights somewhere. So if you could share with us yeah. where people can find you, uh, if they have some questions or want to maybe try using uh, your services.
1: Sure, it's LinkedIn. I don't have a YouTube channel that's in the works, okay. uh, hopefully next year, but... Uh right now i'm a really bad so so you're putting videos on youtube
0: Uh, sorry on linkedin actually
1: yes on linkedin yeah so all my videos and all the content and updates and insights and all the information we we get uh, from clients or working with them everything Mm -hmm. is available on my linkedin uh, profile and i um, i was kind of lazy the last two months i didn't do a lot of videos but i just started uh, recording them again Uh, i get some really good feedback so i think i should uh, keep on doing that and just um, uh, publishing that more and more because what I see is that people are interested in this topic, but they don't know actually Definitely. how much it's going to help them or what they're doing right now can hurt them. Uh, we do have a lot of job. We do get a lot of work because of the machine translation and because of Amazon Launchpad machine translations and all of that. Because um, Amazon pushes you into selling more and more, they reach out. They're like, "Come on, expand!" But they do not give you the results that you expect. Uh, because they offer machine translations and a bunch of other things that are not great um and uh, but then luckily, you know like we also work with um Amazon team as well, and they send over mm-hmm. clients and then we kind of fix it. so it's really, really exciting uh to see that you know you can um, grow your profit and increase uh, whatever you're doing um and you know if you're interested in that, like you can just like for instance, I like using um Smart Scout where you can Google mm-hmm. brands and see how much revenue they have. So if you're wondering, like, for instance, if you take a very big brand and you're selling internationally, you'll be surprised by how little they're actually making versus how much they could make. Uh, because you can have like a German brand selling uh 500,000 euros a month uh, of um, products that this U.S. brand that's insanely big. Is selling for four thousand euros uh, just because um, their content is not great, PPC is not great, and they're just like not doing a great job. And I, I, I this, you know, I think five percent of your competitors are doing a good job when selling abroad. And this is your chance. How you can um, mm-hmm. uh, how you can jump ahead. And uh, as I said, don't leave money on the table. There's a lot oh, of money yeah. in Europe, um, and definitely try and do due diligence, and they'll see if it works.
0: Totally. I'll make sure to basically link your profile also uh, in the description and also uh, your company. So YLT Translations, uh, there will be a link in the description if someone is also interesting to reach out. So perfect. Great. Thanks, Diana. It was great to have you here and uh, we speak soon.
1: Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. Bye-bye.